Hello and welcome to Quirky, a look at some of the week's most interesting and, dare I say, quirky science news and articles. I am your host, Paul Martorelli. Quirky is an associated podcast of the DU Quirk, Duquesne University's scientific journal. This week we'll be discussing pancake visitors, flu on coronavirus, fat burning coffee, bee brain density, massless batteries, and chimp X-Men. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy. Our first article is brought to you by Space.com. You would be forgiving for not knowing what Aumuamua is. If you know that it is the word for scout or messenger in Hawaiian, points for you. But this isn't about linguistics. Back in 2017, our solar system was visited by a UFO, the first ever to come from outside the solar system. Just because it is a UFO doesn't necessarily mean aliens, but many speculated that this could be an extraterrestrial craft. This object seemed to be being propelled unlike any other comet ever recorded. So what exactly is Aumuamua? Scientists have decided that Aumuamua must be a chunk of material from a Pluto-like exoplanet. It wasn't being propelled by any gases that scientists could detect. Most comets are able to be propelled by gases that are escaping it and leave behind a trail that is visible. All of these comets are made of frozen water, so scientists decided that Aumuamua must be made up of a non-water ice most likely nitrogen. Being made up of nitrogen allowed Aumuamua to appear brighter and larger than it actually was, leading scientists to believe that Aumuamua wasn't cigar-shaped like first thought, but more pancake-shaped. Our telescopes were also unable to detect its trails because the telescopes used just weren't capable. Solid nitrogen ice can be found in our solar system on Pluto and Triton, so scientists are led to believe that Aumuamua must be from a Pluto-like planet from another solar system. Our second article this week comes from the Journal of Infectious Diseases. Researchers from the University of Glasgow Center of Virus Research have found evidence that the human rhinovirus, or HRV, triggers an innate immune response that blocks coronavirus replication in the human respiratory epithelium. For those of you who don't know the meaning of the word epithelium, according to Google it means the thin tissue forming the outer layer of a body surface and lining the alimentary canal and other hollow structures. Cool. The team was able to source some human bronchial epithelial cells to test with. With these cells, they were able to infect a population of them with either SARS-CoV-2, an HRV, or a mixture of both. What the team found was that COVID growth in these cells were halted drastically by the HRV. When infected with the HRV first and then COVID, the coronavirus wasn't able to successfully grab hold of the cells. When the cells were infected by COVID and then HRV later, the HRV was able to catch up to the viral load of the COVID viral load and ultimately shut it out. The researchers were able to prove that this was not because of the HRV blocking the ACE2 receptor, which is the receptor necessary for COVID to attach itself to human lung tissue. Instead, the researchers concluded that HRV blocks COVID via mechanisms that are independent of virus entry. Now, this doesn't mean that if you test positive for COVID, that you should start licking every doorknob you see in the hopes of getting just the normal flu. The scientists only tested co-infections within 24 hours of each other. 
But these findings are a hopeful look into the future of COVID prevention and important to understanding the many nuances of what made this virus tick. If you listened to last week's episode, then you know that I need just about any excuse to indulge in some coffee. Our third article this week is about to fuel my caffeine-filled fantasy and is brought to you by EurekaAlert.org. Scientists from the Department of Physiology of the University of Granada have shown that caffeine ingested half an hour before aerobic exercise increases the rate of fat burning, especially if performed in the afternoon. The scientists gathered a group of 15 men who all drank either 3 mg per kilogram worth of caffeine or placebo at either 8 a.m. or 5 p.m., and then completed a workout. All of the subjects completed the test in the four possible conditions at random. The variables of the test, hours passed since last meal, physical exercise, and consumption of other stimulants, were apparently strictly standardized. The men's fat oxidation during exercise was calculated as well. In summary, if you're trying to burn a little extra lockdown weight, drink a cup of coffee and go for a run in the afternoon. Our fourth article was supposed to be another article about how caffeine has the ability to lengthen telomeres in mice and maybe even humans, but it was trapped behind a paywall and I don't have 42 euros and yeah, it didn't make the cut, but I still wanted to mention it. Our fourth article comes from NewScientist.com. Now, my favorite little factoid is that bees understand the concept of zero. That doesn't seem special on its surface. We all know what zero is, right? Well, the concept of nothing is apparently a very complex idea to understand. Dolphins, parrots, and monkeys are thought to understand the idea of nothing, but bees are the only other animal on the planet that we know for a fact knows what nothingness is. So why are the bees so ahead of the game in their arithmetic? Well, researchers at the University of Arizona might have an answer. They found that many species of bees have a brain density greater than that of small bird species and ants. By grounding up the brains of multiple insect species and using a solution that separates the nucleus of each brain cell, they are able to count the number of nuclei in each sample. With these numbers, they were able to estimate the number of neurons in each insect's entire brain. They found that most bee species had more neurons per milligram of brain matter than any of the other insects and birds that they had examined. The scientists don't think that this means the bees are inherently more intelligent as a result. They think that because bees fly, they need to have a smaller brain size to keep their weight slow, while also needing extra brain power to process visual information. This just happens to be the result of those two necessary criteria combining. Our fifth article comes from the Chalmers University of Technology. Researchers at the university have developed a massless battery. Now, massless is in air quotes here. The battery does have a mass. It weighs something. The idea here is that the battery becomes a structural element to whatever it is powering, effectively making it massless. The concept has been around since 2007. But the team at Chalmers are the first to develop a battery that might actually be feasible. Their battery has 20% the capacity of a normal lithium-ion battery, 
which is definitely not ideal. But a normal lithium ion battery does not have the benefit of being a part of the electronic structure and therefore adds to the electrical strain required to operate it. The team hopes that with further experimentation they can get three times the amount of storage capacity and make the battery as durable as aluminum without making the battery weigh more. With the further development of this technology, we can expect to see consumer electronics like phones, laptops, and e-bikes becoming lighter, while our transportation devices like cars, planes, and even satellites following soon after. The sixth article this week comes to us from The Guardian. If the world wasn't crazy enough, here's a little extra lunacy. A Planet of the Apes-like scenario might be on the horizon. Probably not, but it's possible. Researchers from the Medical Research Council's Laboratory of Molecular Biology in Cambridge, wow, that is a mouthful, have found what makes human brains nearly three times the size of our ape and chimp cousins. The team was able to collect cells from humans, gorillas, and chimps that were left over from other experiments. They were then able to reprogram the cells into stem cells and encourage them to grow into brain cells. After several weeks, they observed that the human cells had grown the largest by far. Upon further investigation, the reason for this was because the human brain cells divided more than the cells in apes and chimp brains. The researchers were able to identify a specific gene, ZEB2 as the main reason for this. ZEB2 switches on later in human tissue, which allows for the cells to divide more often before maturing. Turning on ZEB2 later in the other primate brain cells had the same effect as human brain cells. It made their brains grow larger. The converse was true for the human brain cells. When turned on earlier, the human brain cells grew to become smaller. So who knows, with some random evolutionary chance, we might see apes and chimps whose ZEB2 genes activate later on in development, causing our evolutionary cousins to finally have a seat at the big brain table. Thank you for listening to Quarky. You can support this podcast by going to duquark.com and following the DU Quark on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time.